Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is in conversation with Cameron Hemphill, CEO and founder of Growth99. Okay, everybody, welcome. This is Medical Spa Insider, and I am Alex Tiersch your host and on the MSPA hotline, we have Cameron Hemphill, the founder and CEO of Growth99, um, which is a marketing consulting agency that's been kind of really blown up on the scene here lately. Cameron, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it, Alex. Thank you so much for having me, man. I think it's Last time we were on was back in uh, June of 2020. So I appreciate you guys having me back on. No, I, we, we, we were just talking about that before we before we went um, live, so to speak. And that was a because uh, I was thinking back, I, I, I thought we had talked before. And for those of you who, who want to go back and check out his his podcast, please do. Um, but in, in thinking about it, that was such a weird and different time. Um, and to have you on then and to have you on now where so much is, you know, there's been so much, you know, two, th- three years, two, three years have passed. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're cruising along. The industry is in a totally different place. It's absolutely cooking with gas. But at the same time, we were talking about how there's this kind of, you know, this cloud uh, where, where people are talking about a potential recession and it's freaking everybody out. But I mean, so for the last three years, what have you been up to? <laughs> Give us an update. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. So, I mean, when we first were were talking, you know, shoot, back in June 2020, you know, that was when you know COVID was starting, and and everybody's just scrambling, trying to figure out, you know, what to do. Um, us, us as well, right? Trying to handle the situation. And you know, I feel like you know, once things got really under control, probably towards Q3, Q4 of of 2020 everything started to settle down in terms of what people were doing and what their strategies were. So. You know, we try to handle the situation the best we could. And since then, you know, we've we've gotten uh, very smart in terms of investing in technology. Right. And so we said, okay, we're going to leverage like this time that we have to really start to build out our product. Um, And so when you look at like Growth99 is a company, we focus on websites, CRM, patient acquisition and marketing automation. Right. So everything front facing, you know, and historically, you know, it was more like website SEO type stuff. But now we want to deliver that full life cycle from acquiring patients to delivering them to appointments with one single solution. And that's really what we've been focusing on Mm -hmm. um, and got ourselves in a position to to have really great growth in the last few years. And and we've had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm curious, looking back, and, and as I said, I've um, it's been fun to watch your growth. I've, I feel like I see your name on various websites, both um, you know the actual practices themselves, but also some industry as well. I think which is cool. Um, and and I it's so it's been it's been cool to watch you grow as quickly and 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 with as much kind of breadth as you have. Looking back to June of 2000. Um, 22 when the, or 2020 when the, when the pandemic hit and we talked last, um, give me your sense. Cause you've, you've been through it like many people, but you've been through it in a way where you have been helping practices, um, not only get through it, but then now that they're through it and, and they're kind of coming on the other side, 
Talk about where you've seen the industry come since then and just kind of what your general sense is of the industry. And, and I say that in the context of, you know, we've seen a little bit of a slowdown here. I think I think everyone's talking about uh, a possible recession. People are t- tightening their belts a little bit. Um, where do you see this industry in terms of economic slowdowns, how, how far it's come and, and what people can expect down the road? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, if you look at the the historical economy in general, you know, I think a lot of times we forget history, mm-hmm. you know, and history repeats itself. I mean, there is, ex, you know, it, it, contraction in marketplaces and there is expansion in marketplaces over periods of time. Um, and it doesn't matter what vertical you're in, right? Like, I mean, I was born in 85. So, you know, I went through the, the 9-11, I went through the, you know, 08, I went through the COVID. Like, I feel like there's, there's always something out there that's coming. There's going to be something that's coming in the future. And I think a lot of people just focus on, hey, what's happening, you know, now and, and how do I prepare for that? And, and they kind of get themselves freaked out versus prepare. Um, you know, and so I always like to, you know, like look at the situation and say, it's important to manage your cash flows. You always want to have some dry powder on hand. You know, you always want to want to have mitigated risk, right? When you're having a business, and especially when it comes to medical aesthetics, what we saw was so much growth because the market kind of went to a standstill and people yeah. couldn't get services and treatments done. Yep, that's right. Right. And so I feel like a lot of people even forgot about that. Like, hey, look, guys, we were not allowed to like leave our houses in some states and areas and there was all that stuff. So yeah, I think in California was probably the most strict where uh, we saw most of our practices like had to, you know, be closed for, for a period of time. Yeah. Um, they almost forgot about that. Right. And so what are you going to see after that is you're going to see a tremendous amount of consumers wanting to get services and treatments done, which is going to lead into lots of growth. Yeah. Um, and then as you, you know, further accelerate that, you know, you, you move on to a year down the road, two years down the road, three years down the road, things start to open up more and more. People start investing in marketing tools. They start to go to conferences. They start to network more, mm-hmm. you know, like I was just at your guys' last conference. I think there was what, 2000 attendees. There was a wait list from what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was bonkers. Right. It was crazy. And fun event, by the way, I appreciate you guys putting that on. We loved it. Um, so every year we're going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I I love that you guys, you guys do a wonderful job. Um, but you know, you you, you know, what I want to just quickly say, and I've said this before when we've talked about this recession, first of all, quick aside, born in 1985, amazing year of the Super Bowl shuffle, Super Bowl champion, Chicago Bears, greatest NFL team in history, who I just was absolutely obsessed with as a 10 year old. So um, that's that's always how I'm going to remember you guys from, from here on out. But putting that aside, um, the people always seem to freak out about these economic downturns when what you said is absolutely right. These things happen like, you know, it's not necessarily predictable, but it's very predictable that it's going to happen. It always happens. It's happened throughout history. And yet, no matter what, when it starts to happen or people think that it's going to happen, people act like the sky is falling and we're going to have this this massive catastrophe and everybody freaks out and the media freaks out and you see some of these tech companies just 
starting to cut tens of thousands of jobs and it causes everybody to just tighten up a little bit. And it's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. maddening because I don't necessarily, to your point, like, I don't know that aesthetics is there yet. I think the demand is still there. There's been maybe a little bit of slowing, but this is almost like a man-made self-created issue because everyone's freaking out. And it's, it's, it's really tough to kind of wrap my head around sometimes. And do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely do. I mean, and if you look at, you know, what, again, like what happened during everybody going to like work from home and work remote, these tech companies, they overhired, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they overhired, they were overpaying for salaries. Like it was basically an employee's market demanding what they wanted to get paid. Yeah. And the market was flooded with capital from, you know, the treasury printing all the cash. Right. Yeah. And so naturally they're going to pull back and they're probably going to rehire some of the people, but they're going to rehire them at a reduced rate, you know, because they just, they just have to, because they, they overhired. Now I think everybody freaks out because the news wants to sell it. The news wants to push fear. That's how they get bigger ratings. And I think if you can just do a good job of mitigating the risk of like, like what I always tell our clients and, whether it's our clients or friends or family or whatever, because I like this, this conversation of economics. If you can take yourself back and just, Hey, look, like I'm in control of my domain. I'm not in control of what's on the news. I'm not in control of what Amazon hired and fired. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm going to focus on my business and and I'm going to focus on my discipline. And that's where I see people just have really great success is when they, when they focus on themselves and invest in education and invest in tools and tech to excel their business. I think that's that's a great segue into what we're going to talk about. And um, before I do that, I, I just I want to make one further comment on what you mentioned, because I read an article um, about the tech companies that when, you know, the post pandemic and we're growing so fast, they were hiring folks just for the sake of hiring them, having them on the sidelines and they were paying them these outrageous um, salaries, but they weren't even using them and they just were kind of hoarding them as, as it happened. So it's like, it's that kind of thing is what is, is, is what freaks everybody. I, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that people do that. But, um, what, um, what I want to talk about is, and I think it's, it's, it's apropos of, of your, of your last point is that we are in a spot now where, um, I think focusing on the natural, you know, ups and downs flows of your business, um, are important to focus on because if you do that and you focus on yourself, then it allows you to control what you can control. And even when there are dips, you know, you're going to, there's not everything is going to be rainbows and unicorns all the time. So there's going to be some dips, but when there are, you're prepared because you've got your basic house in order. And one of the things that you've done, you emailed me this ahead of time, which I thought was really, really interesting. And I thought insightful and, and, and helpful was kind of the way that you look at how these um, aesthetic practices, practices are operating and what different phases they are and how their different business practices, particularly marketing, um, comes into that. And I would love for you to explain that and kind of how you came up with that. And and, and let's get into each each phase and, and talk about maybe where we are right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you look at the the life cycle of a, a medical aesthetics practice, um, it, uh, the practice has to be ran like a business. At the end of the day, it's, it's a for-profit business, right? And so... Mm-hmm. If you're going to get into medical aesthetics and, you know, you've probably taken a tremendous amount of education to get the, you know, appropriate licenses and, 
credentials, you know, credentials in order to be where you want to be. Well, you still have to run the practice like a business. So from, let's talk about from a marketing standpoint. So from a marketing standpoint, if you're going to go open up a medical aesthetics practice, there's definitely some key foundational things that you have to get set up, right? So the first things that come to mind is you have to have a digital marketing presence. Now, what do I mean by that? You have to have your online digital store, which is your website. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to set up your foundational social media accounts. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Google My Business, starting to get Google reviews on your Google My Business account, you know, and then and then build out an online booking environment because consumers definitely want to book online. Right. And so those are some of like, I mean, there's lots of other things that you have to do, find a a space, either build out or not, sign a lease agreement, invest in other like EMRs and tools. But from a from a marketing standpoint, you know, you have to set up your correct foundation in order to have a, a digital presence on the internet because you need to hang out where your audience hangs out so you can attract consumers that are interested in your treatments and services. Yeah, for sure. And and the you know startup med spas and, and we, we often talk about the different KPIs and and metrics that, that folks should be looking at. And marketing tends to be one that that fluctuates. You know, we're, we're always telling folks, you know, a good 5%-ish is, is a good healthy marketing spend of your total revenue. But I think to your point is that when you're getting started, th- these things are going to be different and you're going to have to invest in name recognition, you know, brand recognition. How do you get people in the door? How do you get people to find you? It's not just, you know, referrals. So there's these different phases in your business. And, and obviously the startup is, is kind of the first one. And that's where you're really going to have to invest in, in, in getting patience um, and, and getting getting your name um, out there. Is is, is is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it depends on how you how you get in. Right. So let's say you had already worked at a practice yeah. and you build up a book of business. Yeah. Right. We see a lot of that taking place. And, you know, we see people that start their practice and they have immediate revenues because they have a a loyal client base that comes with them, you know, versus others, let's say that they want to leave the hospital, for example, want to open up a practice. That's kind of a different scenario. Hopefully that they've, they've built up some savings or they've maybe reached out to friends and family, or they went to the bank and got, you know, an SBA loan or credit cards, however they want to do it. You definitely have to allocate a percentage of your startup capital to build out the foundational approach for a digital presence. And it's not, you know, I think, and, and, and I'd love to get onto the, the other phases because what, what we see and talking with um, some of my friends at um, Allergan Data Labs, which is the big, you know, Allergan runs, they, they, they are everywhere and they've collected a lot of data. One thing that we have seen jointly is that the, the ability of medical spas and aesthetic practices to retain patients is really where, number one, um, a lot of the pain is felt. We're just, we just tend to not do a very good job of that. Um, and two, also where there's just so much opportunities because is to be able to get those patients. So kind of moving into, you know, you like, let's say you get your, your, your business up and going, well, what are some things you need to think about as far as getting like when you're growing and setting up that infrastructure for the next stop? Yeah. So when you move into, let's call it the growth phase, like you've set up your foundation, you have a client base, you become busy, you become profitable. Um, you have new patients coming in the door and you've done a great job of, of patient retention, which by the way, like I, that's one of the 
best things you can do is retain your client base and have a very robust like checkout process, connecting with people on social media, getting the Google review and rebooking them and getting on a membership program. Um, you know, we talk to our clients about that all the time and how important it is because it's much cheaper to keep a client versus invest in acquiring a new one. Right. What's the, I mean, what's the biggest, I just, I don't mean to, don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm, 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 I'm fascinated with the client retention side of things because people do it so badly. Um, what, what, what's the most important thing when it comes to, to client retention? Like, like, what do you see? Is there one thing that you see that folks just really tend to miss out on and could do better at? Yeah, yeah, I think that they don't invest in a very robust, systematic checkout process, right? Mm-hmm. And let's use like a grocery store, for example, because we have all been there. It's, it's like the same process every time you ring up your items, they go in a bag, you walk to the car, right? And so yeah. like, if you have a systematic process in, in the checkout process and, it, and from a marketing client retention standpoint, you know, we see the, the practices that we see that are most successful they like retain 100% of their clients. Okay. Maybe not all, but in the high nineties, Yeah, um, they had a great like greeting experience. They had a great treatment experience. And then the checkout process, like they definitely rebook them. They sell them a skincare product, for example, because this is like the life cycle of anti-aging or whatever treatment they're doing. Um, they want to amplify the treatment and then they put them on a membership plan. Like we as consumers are so in tune with monthly subscriptions, the -hmm. practice owner may think the last thing they want is another subscription, but no, like that's actually what I do want is another subscription because I just don't want to think about it. And I want to come in whenever I want. So I've seen some of these beauty banks be, be very successful. Um, but definitely rebooking makes the loyalty happen, build rapport, connect on social media, get a Google review. And, you know, again, like the practices that I see are most successful, the ones that retain their customers. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's not like a secret, like there are things you can do to, to retain your patients and it's not really even difficult. It's just that you have to do it and you have to have the time and it's, and it's harder than it, than it, than than we make it seem probably. Um, So what, so talk kind of about what, kind of the next step is so if you're you know you're, you're looking to invest your your your, your capital I, I think it's a you know let's say you, you've gotten started so you've got your website you've got a social media presence um the next thing that, that we, and we get questions about this all the time and i'll be honest i don't even understand this like when you talk about how do, do you do you invest in pay per click do you invest in um you know, some sort of paid social, all that stuff has just become ubiquitous, but it's also gobbledygook and most people don't know how to do it. So give us the quick kind of breakdown of, of that and what you recommend for folks there. Yeah. I mean, my, my recommendation would be to hire somebody that understands the industry from a marketing standpoint, um, from end to end, like, because when it comes to pharmaceutical marketing, right? Botox, fillers, Dysport, microneedling, all the stuff that Allergan, Galderma, you know, these folks sell, it, it can be challenging on how to write copy around the services and treatments. And also what is like considered like Botox is a trademarked, you know, phrase. And so right. the way that Google sees that, I mean, it's it, pharmaceutical marketing is challenging. Yeah. So if you don't have a verticalized, uh, you know, person that you're working with or company you're working with, you know, I think that's the first like hard no. Um, that's something that I would definitely seek out to. And there's companies out there that can help with that. And the next thing, because if you set up your website initially, most chances you've used like 
a Wix, like GoDaddy, Squarespace, maybe you hired your your cousin or or whatever, right? It, it depends on what phase you came in. But during the growth phase, like it's really time to take this seriously and say, okay, most people hang out online, whether fortunately or unfortunately, whatever, however you want to feel about that. But they, and, and, and you have to think about where your audience hangs out if you own a med spa. So your audience hangs out primarily on three areas, Google, Facebook, Instagram. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you have to invest in those areas. And so, you know, I think hiring a very specialized company or person that understands pharmaceutical marketing is going to be important and localized SEO. And so at this point in time, you want to really look at your website. Does it have great call to action? Do I have great content on there? Is it built for SEO? Have I ran any Facebook or Instagram ads? Am I doing pay-per-click Google ads? How am I ranking socially, locally and organically? Um, maybe time to start thinking about writing blogs, spinning up a YouTube channel, a podcast, having a social calendar scheduler, investing in citation campaigns, having a Google review tool that automates processes. So like marketing is, <laughs> there's so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but during the growth phase, you, you really have to, you have to experiment a little bit and you have to be willing to fail and then learn from those failures and continue to march forward because it's 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 very challenging and especially for this industry in particular because there's been a lot of practices that have opened up yeah. all over the country right and so there is online competition and yeah. so you have to be prepared for that yeah I, th- that's a great point and i was just i was just having this discussion separately where we were looking at I think it was just on Instagram or maybe it was Google and just the, the, the number of practices that, that pop up when you type in a, a particular search term, um, many of which I had never even heard of. And we're talking about, you know, in Chicago. So it's, it's not like they're where, where I am. And some of these, they're, they're brand new and they're brand new and they're, and they're landing, whether it's because of paid or, or whatever. And it, it's, if I'm starting, uh, or if, I, if I'm looking to grow that, I mean, that, that's a bit, that's a bit overwhelming and somewhat terrifying. Cause it's like, man, I can, I can be doing this you know, for, for a year, 18 months, and all of a sudden someone opens up next door to me and they're paying a shit ton of money and they're ranking ahead of me. I mean, what's the, uh, is is there, is there something, is there, is there one thing more important than others? Like, is there, what's the kind of the, 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 the big takeaway that you tell folks that are, that are trying to grow in this phase? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely challenging because there is so much competition and you may have you know, a, a plastic surgery center that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden they want to bolt on a medical aesthetics practice mm-hmm. to their, you know, invasive practice and they have, they have money, right? So they, they do big, you know, surgery procedures that are expensive, decent margin. And so they can go deploy, you know, 10, 20, 30, in some cases, 50, I've even seen a hundred thousand dollars a month in Google pay-per-click ads. Yeah, I have too. Right? <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's crazy. You know, and, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's how Google and Facebook make a tremendous amount of their revenues is selling ads. And, and the more that you spend, the more you're going to show up on those search results. Um, when it comes to like the sponsored area on Google, you know, or when it comes to how many ads or impressions or clicks you're going to get on, on Facebook and Instagram. And so, you know, I, I always, I try to make it super simple. Um, and just say, Hey, look, hang out where your audience hangs out, be consistent, create good content, 
you know, don't get discouraged and have the discipline to show up every single day and push out content because you can create free YouTube, you know, channels and, and content. You can post on Instagram for free. You can get followers by connecting with people locally and having your clients tag you and, and those other followers can see you, you know? So there's, there's lots of like low hanging fruit stuff that people don't want to invest in. And they'll just go throw the money at Google pay-per-clicks where there's also areas of opportunity to invest your time and, and resources to, to really also, you know, connect with potential patients out there. Yeah. I think that's, really a good point. It's, you know, you just have to show up, right? I mean, that's kind of 90% of the battle is just actually showing up and that's doing the work on a daily basis. Is, is there, are there any rules of thumb that, that, that when you're talking to folks about, okay, I'm trying to, so, okay, let's say I'm, I'm showing up, I'm doing the work. I've got a decent, I've got a decent um, following, but I do want to invest in something. How do you go about determining which of the, you know, you mentioned the three places that our audience lives. Uh, how do you figure out, is, is there any way to do that yourself? Or is this something really where you want, you need to, to bring somebody on who, who kind of understands the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of, of internet marketing? Yeah, I, I strongly recommend, you know, seeking somebody that knows how to create ads, like lead generation campaigns inside of the Facebook ad manager and how to create a, a targeted audience and how to create good sales copy and good ad copy. I, I see it all the time where people will go post something on Facebook or on Instagram and boost the posts and, and they get clicks or they get impressions, but they don't get any leads. Right. right. And so there are strategies out there where you can actually create like good ads. When people click on those ads, it, it takes them to a place to fill out data like first name, last name, phone number, and email, maybe ask them a couple other questions. And those leads can be pushed into a CRM. And that CRM system, if set up correctly, which, you know, by somebody that understands like marketing automation, can start sending them text messages. It can start sending them emails. Mm -hmm. It can trigger tasks to have people follow up. And that's going to also increase your conversions because the speed to lead, you know, these systems will start following up with the people automatically. And with chat GPT that came out, there's lots of AI components that can help with that marketing automation as well. So I, I strongly suggest hiring the people that are experts in this space that can help deliver at the highest yield for them. Yeah. You just, you mentioned chat GPT, which I, I am <laughs> absolutely convinced is Cyberdyne systems, which will go active and take down the entire human race at some point. So none of this, this is all an academic ex talk anyway, because we're all going to be extinct <laughs> here before too much longer. But <laughs> um, is, 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 is there one, is there one, whether it's, you know, a Google, uh, a Google, um, you know, ad or, a, or, or a, uh, Instagram versus pay, is, is there one that you like more than others where that you've seen more success generally with, with, with clients than with others, or are they all pretty much the same? And it's kind of, you know, garbage in garbage out, whatever you put into it, you're going to get out of it. I'll, here, I'll give you the data behind it. Okay. okay. So, so you, you have Google pay-per-click basically and, and just for the audience, you can basically have keywords and phrases and you can bid on those. So let's take medical spa near me, for example, mm -hmm. you can take that keyword and that phrase and you could, you can bid on it. And if someone goes to the internet and searches that you can have a sponsored ad and be at the very, very top. Now, the more you pay for that phrase, the more you attribute towards that keyword, you're going to see, you're going to be seen more because it, chances are there's other people that are also bidding on that same phrase. 
right? So typically what we see when it comes to Google pay-per-click ads, the average industry, let's take it at a national level, the cost per lead trends right around $50. Okay. okay. And so if you, if the, and that's a lead, that's to get like first name, last name, phone number, an email, somebody to fill out a form or book right. an appointment, for example. Um, now the conversion on those, we also see at about 50%. Okay. So if you're spending a thousand dollars on pay-per-click and a, at a $50 cost per lead, that's going to get you what? 20 leads. I'll let like you do that. And that's not my, I'm, I'm an English major, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You take a thousand, you take a thousand, thousand dollars invested in, in, in the, uh, the Google ad campaign at a $50 cost per lead, you take a thousand divided by 50, that's going to give you a number. And then you'll convert about 50% of those. So that should okay. yield you about 10 patients, right? So we see a higher conversion rate on Google because the consumer is going to the internet and conducting a search, finding you versus you interrupting them on a scroll through a Facebook or Instagram account. The opposite to that is Google and Facebook, the entry of lead capture is much is lower. And so the, the typical cost per lead we see there is right around 10 to $15, right? So if you spend a thousand dollars, divide that by 15 bucks, you're going to get a lot more leads. Okay. The downside is the conversion rates are about 20%. So, and you have to follow up with these leads. So as these leads come in, you got to follow up with them at phone calls, lots of phone calls. So it's, it requires more work on the Facebook and Instagram side, lower conversion rates. And sometimes there's a lot of junk leads in those, in those lead generation campaigns, but there's also a tremendous amount of um, leads with great upside. And if you do a good job on your treatments and patient retention and, you know, upsells and rebooking, then the practice will grow over time by investing in those channels. Hey everyone, let me take a quick second to share something really interesting for your business. Did you know that a staggering 74% of consumers shop on their phones while watching TV at night? That's like 7 out of 10 of your patients. But the real eye-opener here is that less than 1 out of 10 med spas actually sell their products online. Can you imagine the untapped potential of giving your patients the convenience to purchase treatments, services, or skincare right from the comfort of their own homes through your very own branded app? That's where RepeatMD comes in. RepeatMD is the fastest growing software in the medical aesthetics industry, and for good reason. RepeatMD is designed by e-commerce experts who have worked with renowned brands like Target, Nordstrom, and Neiman Marcus, and they'll build your practice its own mobile rewards and shopping app. Clients love RepeatMD, and patients love the experience RepeatMD provides. RepeatMD rewards patients for spending more, encourages them to come back more often, and helps them discover treatments they'll absolutely love. On top of that, your practice can sell memberships and offer financing for services all through your very own app designed and managed by the experts at RepeatMD. The bottom line is that RepeatMD enhances the entire patient experience while boosting your practice's revenue. They are game changers for your med spa. So what are you waiting for? Visit repeatmd.com forward slash amspa to book a quick product demonstration. And guess what? We'll have special pricing for medical spa insider listeners and you'll receive 50% off towards your first purchase. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to repeatmd forward slash amspa today. Now, is is the conversion for Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, um, less than say for a Google pay, um, uh, paid ad or, or pay per click? Because with a with Google, you're gonna you, you're gonna 
at least potentially have the integration into your website and the follow-up and the automatic kind of automated stuff that goes into your site is is, is that what it is is because it takes more manual work with the instagram and, fa- and facebook than it does with uh, when it's on your website is, is that fair that's one of the that's one of the reasons but also because you you had to interrupt them okay. with like an offer or a hook like, so they're scrolling, they're scrolling, right? And if they set up the audience and the campaign correctly, they'll see the ad, click on it. So you interrupted them with, hey, here's an idea. You may need a deal on Botox for Mother's Day, <laughs> right? Um, and so are they interested? Sure. Are they committed? Not 100% versus going to the internet and saying, hey, med spa near me, like, you know, I, I want to get a treatment. Done. Right. You're, you're actively looking for one. Actively looking. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for the Instagram ads, man. Like it's like whatever <laughs> whatever personality traits I have is perfectly captured by an Instagram. Ad. I'm clicking on those damn things all the time. So, um, so okay, that's first of all. First of all, that's super interesting. The what you 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 we're we're talking about kind of the which what you've categorized as the you know the four phases: uh, startup, growth, and then you also have which I don't think we've actually named them yet: the mature phase and the exit phase, and just. Um, if you could just explain what the mature phase and uh, is next, and then we can, we can talk about that and then get on to the, um, the last one as well. Yeah. So, you know, going from the growth phase to the mature phase, there's um, it's actually quite challenging because you have to give up some control and that can be very hard to give up control, right? Because if you go back through history, you built the business, you may have built your original website, you set up your Instagram, You've gone through all of the the journey of growth, failure. You've hired people, you've fired people, you've had patients. You've probably gotten a one-star review at this point. You know, like you've been through a lot of emotion. Um, And so in order to like get to the mature phase, and I'm a true believer, you actually can't get to the mature phase unless you're willing to pass the throne completely. And that's where a lot of people get stuck is they're like, well, no one can do this job better than me. And so I'm going to still try to do everything, you know, and if you start hiring people and there's a great book out there, um, I've mentioned it on at a couple conferences, but Dan Martell wrote it. It's called how to get your time back. It's a great book. And just for the audience, if you guys, if you're stuck in this phase, talks about hiring, how to get your time back versus like hiring for the correct position. Right? So if you're in order to get some of the church space, you have to say, okay, I'm willing, and let's just take it from a marketing standpoint, willing to hire a director of marketing that's going to manage all of this stuff for me. The website, the SEO, the CRM, the leads, understand Google Data Studio, the analytics, the click-through rates, like understanding the data behind it. Somebody that has a, a background in this that can basically take it, you feel confident with it, and they can handle that specific part of the practice for success. Mm-hmm. And so once you're, once you're there, you know, and, and you can take a back seat and you know, this is the right candidate, then they're going to be responsible for like working with the right vendors and holding the vendors accountable. Yeah. That's, that is the, probably one of, if not the hardest thing to do when you're running a business is to relinquish control over really anything, but then the, the major things is, is when it really gets terrifying because you're, you know, this is like, as you said, this is something, and I deal with this people on my team deal with this. It's really the one thing that we are talking about 
basically every meeting we have is okay how do you it's it's you know how do you delegate how do you how do you not focus on the things that are getting you bogged down and and allow people to do their jobs and to fail right that's kind of the other thing is like you have to allow others to be able to screw it up but then learn and fix it because if you're just doing it all the time and 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 knowing that it's not going to fail because you're not letting them then 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 I guess your point here is that you're not going to have time to to worry about and work on the things that can expand your business and really grow your business and make you a truly mature business is is, is that right yeah yeah that's exactly right i mean you know it, it, and chances are you probably can do the job better than anybody else and it's your baby and and you know i totally understand that but you know I mean, let's look at a big enterprise organization like, like Amazon, you know, if you go return your Amazon package and you know, you're not communicating with, with the C-level executives and, and Jeff Bezos, I mean, <laughs> it's just not possible at scale. Right. So, yeah. you know, at scale, you have to, you have to invest in, in people and, and look on how to get your time back, you know? And so, you know, from a, from a marketing standpoint, you know, there's people out there that you could hire boots on the ground in office. There's people that you can hire, um, overseas, if you'd like to, that have this experience, if you're looking for more of a cost-effective approach on, on how to be a director of marketing and a director of marketing doesn't necessarily mean that they're posting on social media, they're making edits to the website, they're doing the SEO, they're running the ads. Like I still am a firm believer that you should have a, somebody that specializes in that, but then the director of marketing is the glue. That's, that's their job with inside of the ecosystem of the practice. Right. So, so how do you know, uh, I, I, I think this is a reasonable question to ask. How do you know when you're in that phase and you should be thinking about passing off some of these things to others? And, and, and I say that because it's, you know, it's easy to say, okay, you're in the mature phase. It's time to get other folks to kind of do this. You can, you can grow, but it's not always easy to see. And some people probably think they're there when they're not, or maybe don't think they're there when they have been there for a long time. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Like, I think that it comes down to, um, understanding what you're, you're, you're capable of because what, what happens during the growth phase. And it's interesting in medical aesthetics, I've seen like startup to growth go very, very fast. And then it's just growth, 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 growth. And then all of a sudden they have like a hundred appointments and they have no time for anything. And I kind of make a joke about it. Like your life is getting in the way of your life, you know? Um, so Good way to put it. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it. um, you know, that's, and that's the reality of it. So I, what happens is, is people either start to self-sabotage because they, they can't handle, you know, the, the workload or the stress. Um, they want to sell quickly without understanding what their true valuation is because they're, they're overwhelmed or they get, they get burnt out. Right. And yep. so you, you can't run a scalable practice that is firing on all cylinders by yourself. Um, you know, it's uh, med spas are, are interesting, especially right now in this era, because you see them take off so fast and, you make a good point to where they get, they may go from not being busy to being extremely busy and overwhelmed and not being able to keep up in a short period of time. And so you kind of have to take a step back and just reevaluate and just like look at your practice from a bird's eye view and say, okay, what's working, what's not working. 
how can I focus and where can I hire and where can I, you know, migrate things strategically so I can get my time back. Yeah. And, and, and not only that it's, and first of all, you're right. I always tell people, especially providers who have experience doing injectables, particularly because that's kind of where they can go off and just start, just start, right. They don't need a lot, but I always mm-hmm. tell folks you're going to get busy a lot quicker than you think. And it just, cause it tends to happen that way. But it's not only that, it's also that, you're kind of, we're almost always in growth mode. I mean, really there's, it's, if you become a mature business as a med spa, in some ways, based upon just the industry and the demand in and of itself, you're, you're automatically going to qualify also as a growth um, company because there's just so much, right? It's just, it's, everybody is growing. And if you're not growing, um, you know, that, 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 that means something. So it's, 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 it's gotta be difficult um, to kind of be able to, to, to weigh that. But at the same time, you're to, to your point, And I think you're right. You, you have to, you're not going to be able to make it to the level that you're capable of and that you want to. And again, I think also to your point, you need to always be self-aware enough to think, okay, what do I want? Like, what's my goal? Cause there's nothing wrong with having only one location or two locations as opposed to 50. Like that's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. It's great. You can have more time, whatever. So um, I think it's an interesting, interesting point. And then, you know, um, so I'd love your, your kind of thoughts on that. And then let's move on to the, the, the last phase, the exit phase. So we don't run out of time, but um, yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on my last point about just kind of there, this always being a growth industry? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Like, you have to, and when I mean mature phase, like it, when you're mature, you should be able to have maturity with growth, you know, and just, and it doesn't have to be like in your first few years, your growth can be a hundred percent year over year. Well, in some cases that's not sustainable unless you're, you know, bringing in large institutional money. And, and we do see that happening right now as well in the industry, which is, which is interesting. But, um, you know, you, I, I agree with you, you you have to have the mature face so stabilized that it continues its growth pattern and then really put yourself in a position to focus on what makes you happy and what do you like to do in the business, right? Because I'm sure these practice owners that love to do injectables and treat patients. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what they do is treat patients and want to make them feel good with self-confidence they didn't sign up to run their website and to run their SEO and Google ads. You know, that's not, it's not what they want to do. It's some, it's some, yeah. Like during, you have to do that at some point, but you, you want to focus on what makes you happy. So you actually enjoy going to the practice and the practice feels like a fun environment for the culture of your team and your patient. And so it's just critical to, to recognize that. So you can continue that growth trajectory that they're looking for. Yes. So let's talk about the exit phase, which is the kind of the last phase that you mentioned as far as being, you know, kind of what what you need to worry about in the four phases of your business. And this is, you know, for a lot of people, it's the most fun to think about having been a part of it from various angles and seeing lots of different folks go through it. Um, it maybe looks fun. It's not always as fun in practice. It tends to be a little bit stressful, but let's talk about that. What, first of all, what do you mean by the exit phase and how do folks figure out that they're there or, or they're approaching that point and, and, and then what do they do? Yeah. So there's, there's two types of businesses, you know, you have lifestyle, you have, you have a business that's built to exit, um, you know, lifestyles, Hey, continuing, you know, 10 to to 22% growth year over year. And 
you know, planning on holding that, that business for a long period of time or, you know, and, and letting somebody inherit it or, or, you know, opening up multiple locations and you being, uh, you know, the majority shareholder or having a partner, um, you know, when it comes to building a business to exit, uh, which, you know, you do see a lot of that happening in the medical aesthetics uh, industry right now. A lot of consolidations taking place, um, at least from from what we've seen and kind of what the, the market shows. But, you know, when you when you get to the exit phase, it's going to come down to numbers and systems. Um, you know, Marcus Lemonis put it best, like people process product. You know, so if you have the right people, you have the right process, you have the right product. We all know that we got the right product because... <laughs> no, you're right. We, we love the product, right? <laughs> but yeah. you have to have the right systems and process. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when it comes to systems, you know, website, lead entry points, automated follow-up, CRM, um, robust EMR, and then client retention, social media, like the life cycle, the tools and the systems in place. And then you have to know the numbers behind that. For example, what is your patient acquisition cost? What are your conversion rates? Um, what is the customer lifetime value that you have? Because you have to think that the if you're preparing for an exit, if it's if, if that's what you know people want to do, the people that are going to come in and want to buy the business, these are financial experts. They're they're and they want to make a return. They're not just buying it for fun. They want to say, hey, I'm going to buy it for one, and I want to make five x or ten x or whatever their strategy is. And if they can buy a practice that is systematically ran and again, running without you is very attractive. That's why, why the mature phase is important. If they can buy it without you, then they know, wow, this thing can just run by itself without the, without the original founder and owner, like that's very attractive. And so it's going to come down to knowing your numbers and being able to have really accurate financials across the board. First of all, you mentioned like my two favorite KPIs. So I'm like, I'm like, giggling with excitement in the background. Um, <laughs> lifetime value of a, of, a, of a client and then patient acquisition costs to me are, are two things that are so important because basically you're figuring out, you know, how much you have to spend to get the client and then how much that client is going to spend on you once you get them um, and, and assuming you, you retain them, which really is kind of everything, right? I mean, that's, that's basically every it's it's your spend and then your your income all in kind of one number and folks don't look at that very much um or at least as much as i think they they should um why you know why is that important to you and i you know i know it's obvious but just kind of give me your thoughts on that because it's something that i don't hear enough of at least in my view yeah no i mean you're i think it's a hard figure for people to think to understand first of all they're like Okay, customer acquisition costs. What is that? It's basically how much does it cost to acquire a, a customer patient, right? Yeah. Um, LTV, customer lifetime value. Like, like how much do I have to spend and how much do I have to retain? It's if you look at it from an investment standpoint, it's it, it's easier to understand. But it's so important because as you get to the exit phase, those are the two KPIs that they really want to know. Okay, well. If, if we're investing, let's call it $10,000 in ad spend and marketing spend, they're just saying for, for a simple number, let's say that we're, we're, we're spending that much on a monthly basis. If I go spend 20, can I w the, double the volume of leads, know the conversion rates, and then increase the customer lifetime value? They can basically forecast how long it will take for them to get their money back. Mm -hmm. You know, And so if you have all that stuff dialed out, then you know, you're, you're going to be an attractive acquisition. 
Well, and, and it makes even from a, a personal standpoint, it makes it easier to contemplate and to swallow spending a large amount of money, which is which is always interesting as you grow, you go from spending you know, hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars to now tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I, I, I think you're the, the other point you made that is super interesting for anyone out there who's thinking about exiting down the road is that the, the folks who are going to buy you are not getting into med spas because they love aesthetics in and of itself and they love to make people feel better. And yeah, you know, I mean, they do. There's a certain amount of that, of course, but they do because they know it's a good business that is going to make them money. And that's what they're trying to do in the end. Those are what the investors are doing. It's not for a love of, you know, humanity and making people look and feel good. It's it's because, Hey, this is something that yes, I get to do that, but Oh, also I get to make money. And it's, it's, that's, that's a very different type of, 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 of process to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And I mean, it, when, when you look at like the reason or why, you know, a practice owner started their practice, maybe it's to, to, to make income, but ultimately with the background of, of somebody that's an injector nurse practitioner, you know, they, they have that, that feeling of helping others. Right. And in institutions, there may be some of that. I'm sure there is. I want to believe that there is, you know, um, but they, you know, basically yeah. I was, I was on a panel recently with um, Skytel group and we were talking about it. And, um, you know, he was like, look, these guys basically do a financial colonoscopy on your practice. And I was like, that's, I said it well, I'm like, that's so true because that's, that's really what they look at is, is the financials, the numbers in the, in the KPIs. And so I think if you're ever wanting to get in a position where you want to exit, um, you know, and it's, it's probably not for everybody. I mean, you know, I think there's some great practices out there that offer amazing services, such talented people. Yeah, that, you know, may, not, not selling is, 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 is probably better for them. You know, that's their baby that they love, you know, but if you ever yeah. want to, numbers are critical. Um, so we're going to uh, bump up on time here. I'm curious, what's next for growth 99? I mean, you've, you've, you've come a long way and it's been, as I said at the beginning, it's been fun to watch you grow. What's, I mean, wh- what are you looking to do for the next, what's the next iteration of growth 99 and, and, and what's the, what, what's the plan to get there? Yeah, no, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate you asking. So yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've grown a lot. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. We've, we've learned a lot. Um, you know, we've had our failures and successes as well, you know, what to do, what not to do. You know, I think, you know, when, when I look at our next phase, um, we really want to invest in technology more and more. So from a CRM, from a marketing automation background and, and really focusing on, okay, if we are going to, cause we do websites, marketing automation, patient acquisition, we, we do a lot of this stuff. We want to have a centralized platform that can essentially be self serve, right? So they can go to the website, mm-hmm. they can put in all their services, treatments, they can basically, and really like kind of like a type form type of type of build and then push a button in their sites live. And then they can run all their SEO, their blogs, like they can run everything themselves inside their platform. And then if they want to have more than that, they can say, look, I want to have services and like marketing consulting on the platform. So that's, that's where we're heading right now. We're kind of a hybrid of both. We have a platform, we have, we have the services, but we want to make it more self-serve and just really invest in the end user and continue to educate ourselves in the pharmaceutical medical aesthetic space so we can get better and better. That's awesome. Um, so where can folks, uh, 
where can folks find growth 99? What's the best way to learn more? And if they want to, they, they want to talk to, to your team, where do they go to do that? Yes. Pretty simple. Just go to growth 99.com G R O W T H 99.com. There's a button on there that says request a demo. And yeah. we have an online booking system in there that they can connect with one of our, our team members, our account executives, and we can do an analysis and see what makes sense for the practice and where we can give value. That's all. And I can't remember if I asked you this last time, growth 99, where'd that name come from? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> no, we were, is that a secret? I, I get that asked a lot. Like, no, it's not a secret. It was, um, you know, we were, we didn't want to be, um, so focused on a specific term, uh, that was like, you know, med spa marketing automation, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because we do service, you know, like dermatology, plastic surgery, right. you know, and so we wanted to come up with, with a, like a techie growth name that was like, you know, you're always at 99% when working on a hundred. Yeah. And so let's go growth at 99, always chasing a hundred. That's kind of how it came. And, um, I like it. I mean, yeah, if it, had, if it yeah. had been growth 97.5 or something, I'd have been, <laughs> <laughs> but 99 makes sense. I know. <laughs> All right, Cameron, uh, Cameron Hemphill of growth 99, please check them out. They've, they've been big supporters of ours. They, they are at most of our events and you can find them if you come to one of our boot camps or certainly if you come to medical spa show in Vegas, which is in April of 2024. And by the way, we are planning that right now and it's going to be amazing we're gonna blow this one up even bigger than we did last year which i can't wait to show everybody i appreciate your time um we'll have to have you back here pretty soon to 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 get caught up and 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 get uh get get some more information for you and thanks again absolutely thanks so much for having me alex have a great day thanks for joining us this week with the american med spa podcast medical spa insider this week founder alex steersh was joined by cameron hemphill CEO and founder of Growth99. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.